Quantum Rabbit, a Frankensound podcast. Hello, thanks for tuning in. I'm Rolly Skender. While I've been getting started on this audio series, I've noticed some of the episodes relate to projects which don't necessarily follow on from the previous episode in sequential order. Rather than take a slightly dull chronological approach, I thought I'd let these just flow out in the order that seems right at the time. I even tend to think of these individual episodes as little quantum particles of a larger whole that might pop up in unexpected places. Who knows how long this series is going to go on for, but I imagine if I keep going, we may eventually catch up to the real-life timeline, in which case my memory may be a little less tainted by the embellishments that tend to accompany real-life histories. Until then, I feel obliged to prefix some of these episodes with an exaggeration factor rating. Bear in mind, this rating in itself may be a slight exaggeration. With regards to this particular episode, I'm struggling slightly with my memory of these events, um, and I also know deep down that I do want the story to be reasonably entertaining for the listener which suggests a possible motive for exaggeration so I'm going to say it's probably a 10 to 12 percent mark or around about their exaggeration factor rating that's not much though I hope you enjoy the story episode four the Beaufort Street mural don't you think sometimes it's a good idea to get out of your comfort zone Throw yourself into something you've never done before. You know the chances of success are low, but maybe the gamble will pay off and there's going to be a big reward at the end for you or perhaps you'll learn a new skill or it could change your whole life course completely and set you off in a new direction. Well, in relation to this particular story of those three possibilities, only one of them would turn out to be true. I'll give you a clue. It's number two. It didn't pay off big or change my life's direction, but I did learn a new skill or two. One of them was how to mark out a giant street mural on a busy road using nothing but string, chalk, and a 50 metre long stretch of PVC pipe. Actually, that could be an exaggeration. The city of Vincent wanted to adorn two ends of Beaufort Street in Mount Lawley with two separate large, colourful murals on the road in an attempt to slow down traffic in the area and hence make the city more livable. This mural couldn't be too colourful though, as that might have the unintended effect of distracting drivers from watching the road. Here lies the conundrum of the Beaufort Street plan. The city also had a very modest, tiny budget. They announced a call out for expressions of interest. The accepted artist would be the designer, and other guys with real jobs would paint the road over six nights, blocking off weeknight, early morning traffic on one side of Beaufort Street at a time. To the city's credit, they weren't pretending to have done this before. The whole project was a bit of an experiment. The road painting guys did have a lot of experience in painting crosswalks and whole roads, including footpaths and cycleways in new housing developments. One of the guys explained to me how their role is to come in and surface bare concrete curves in these big, empty, embryonic suburbs with all the appropriate road lines and colours. 
They'd also been using a product which is kind of rubbery and can be used to paint textured road surfaces quite quickly. Those little bumps in the footpath at intersections and crosswalks would usually be stuck onto the ground later. But these guys were doing it as part of the road painting process. They seem to have their shit together. With regard to the designs and how that played out, there were some young people working at the council and I think they wanted to be part of something a bit different and try to make a positive impact in a lot of ways. That's the impression I got from them. I also got the feeling there was a slight sense of defiance to the powers that be, you know, to the man. I got a little bit of that from them, which I liked. I decided it was a good idea to put in an expression of interest. The designs would be positioned at the north end of Beaufort Street near Walcott and about a kilometre down the road near St Albans Church. Each piece would be 40 metres long and 20 metres wide. Now that's quite big. That's big enough to be hated by thousands of people, not just a few. As I saw it, that was the main risk that was involved here. But the cool thing was, once completed, the designs would be visible from space. Or at least on Google Maps. When you're applying for grants or writing up an expression of interest for projects requiring the services of an artist, especially if you're not entirely comfortable with the term artist and some of the baggage that goes with that, there's things which sometimes make it into the final copy that sounded good for a moment. Things like how the artwork would, quote, reference the rotating heavenly bodies in their own cycle, sun, earth and moon. What the fuck does that mean? I know what it means. I put it in my application for the Beaufort Street murals. But still, it's not a line you would expect to be plucked out and end up in a press release. Not if you had the choice, anyway. I recall I'd been experimenting with spheres in some of the most complex software I've ever tried to get my head around. It's a 3D modelling package called Houdini. Houdini is an example of software that enables an artist to create objects in a three-dimensional space inside a computer. This type of software is often used in modern feature films for creating things like animated characters, vehicles and landscapes, and to simulate natural phenomena such as flowing water, fire, explosions, dust, gases, and combinations of these things that interact with each other. So when you know how to use this type of software, it's probably easy to picture yourself a little bit like a god, creating a universe to your own specification. But it will chew up hours of your time. And while you sit in front of a screen and drive the mouse around, the real work is being done behind the scenes using maths, algorithms developed for the purposes of mimicking laws of the natural world. Being inside a computer, of course, it's also possible to break those laws. Change the force of gravity, the density of moving bodies, or the stiffness of a piece of rope or cloth. But eventually, even if you're doing something only mildly complicated, you'll probably end up in the forums. I had a chat to my friend Shady recently about one of these forum experiences, which I found very useful. I had the, the 3D software thing and I was trying to find out something, mm. how to do something. And, um, and a guy had come in and said, oh, first way, the best way to, I don't know why he's <laughs> got a sort of German-European, German, let's mm. say he's German-European, the best way to solve your problem 
is to first, you must name the problem. Oh. Correctly name the problem and then you can solve the problem. You want to do something really complex like make a vine grow up a dead tree mm-hmm. or something. Mm. Uh, first, you must really name the problem. Uh-huh. So What's the problem then? Did you think of a name for this problem? Well, it's, I think it's more like a sentence or two or three. Too, too much. Yeah, but what it tells you is that the problem needs to be split into lots of smaller ones. I see. So Heinrich had some Give good you, ideas there. He would say, well, there's a, so if there's a tree and a vine, that's two geometries. Mm. You need two geometries. Mm. And then the vine has to be able to know what the geometry of the tree is. So it's a communication problem. Oh, so there are lots of problems. So you there's got to name a little, each, each little each little thing. You got to, once you name it, you can. Wow, that makes sense. It's not naming, I suppose. He means just you know differentiating the the number of problems that you have. Yeah, because I guess once you can name it, you've mm. simplified it to a point of knowing what you need to be able to mm. solve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got something there. At some point, I finished playing with spheres and got back into writing the expression of interest. It was just a low-stakes gamble, but it would be cool to have someone paint two 40-metre murals on Beaufort Street to your design. Or maybe people wouldn't like it. Maybe some people wouldn't like it. That's always a possibility, or in something this scale, a certainty. Anyway, they rejected my application. Then I got a call... While I was up in Mount Magnet, that's another story. To say the application they chose turned out not to be suitable for some reason, and they really liked mine now. I think my design in the end was going to be more practically doable than some of the others. But these 40 metre long designs had to be painted in less than a week at two ends of a street using only the early hours of the morning. I had to refine and simplify my design even further, adding negative space, which meant no paint zones between the colours and any existing paint on the road like crosswalks and stop lines. The next hurdle was to get the design past the main roads department. There was quite a bit of further refinement before everyone was happy, including a group speaking on behalf of the visually impaired, You see, the design was not just on the road, but on the footpath too, and they were worried about people tripping over. It's interesting to think, at what point is your design getting refined, and at what point is it getting watered down? I think it's easy to imagine that anyone with any experience in funded public art may have to ask themselves that question from time to time. It also reminds me of that great and not famous enough quote by Groucho Marx, It goes something like, those are my principles. And if you don't like them, well, I have others. The company that did the hard work of actually painting these two murals onto the street was called DrainPave. There was a team of about six guys or so, lots of equipment, but not quite what I was expecting. I imagined some laser pointers and maybe a bit of a surveying scope on a tripod. Instead, they arrived with a bunch of string, chalk, and some massive lengths of PVC. This was used to bend over long distances to mark out the curves. It worked surprisingly well. 
I was on site between about midnight and 3am for the first two nights. There was some overcast weather and a fear that any rain wouldn't allow the coats to dry in time. As it was, each colour needed to be done separately and allowed to dry before applying a new one next to it. The team had worked out a sequence of drying times and swapping sides of the road which would allow each end of the street to be completed over six nights. Things went well. It was strange walking across this big thing in a public street that you had something to do with. I thought it was actually a pretty cool geometric landscape from street level. I hadn't completely fucked this up. You'd probably like to know how it all went terribly wrong from there. But mostly it wasn't that bad. There was a small stir online following a local newspaper article which ripped the shit out of the whole idea of this street mural, at least for the purposes of slowing down traffic. I mean, come on. It also included a dig at the press release which mentioned rotating heavenly bodies. Who knew what the fuck that meant now? But it led to what might be a crowning achievement. I made it onto my favourite local blog, Worst of Perth. I actually do love Worst of Perth, although I believe it's no longer being updated. It was a website blog which highlighted the most rubbish Perthishness out there, I guess. It reminds me of someone going through a bin, searching for something of value, never finding it, but never giving up at the same time. It kept searching, and then it gave up. I guess that's part of the poetry, right? Ultimately, I think as far as this street art project goes, we got a good year out of it. Maybe 1.5. I drove over the farmer alongside the old East Perth power station the other night. Ended up turning west towards the city, hit Beaufort and drove north. Unfortunately, it's in a bit of a sad state now. The paint is largely rubbed off in the middle where thousands of wheels hit the road every day. I guess it isn't surprising. It's been three years. Thanks for listening. Just a little footnote, they got some data back from the traffic speed tests on Beaufort Street uh, since the mural was put down, and um, apparently it slowed down. Maybe it worked. I don't know. Check it out, there's real numbers. Through the driving rain outside there's a link to the Worst of Perth article and a video of the designs being painted in the show notes for this episode. Thanks, Tony Joe, for the tune.